So I want to share real quick before I have Dave come up. Each year, as most of you know, we come from Myanmar. We spent four and a half years there in Yangon. And each year we would do a very large Christmas party for the church. You know, we'd have all the food and the caroling. And, uh, I mean, they loved it. We had games and uh, it's just really blessed. And we have all these different things. And, you know, they had sweet December there. It, was, it wasn't on December 25th. It was a whole month there was something going on, some party going on, some celebration of Jesus and his birth. And as we talk to so many people each day from Myanmar, we see that they are just, they're really, really down right now. You know, they're, they're not able to go out. So, you know, each year we bless them in, when we live there. So this year, I'm like, what can I do? I'm here. And I was praying. You know, I, I've been calling the people there I know. Um, we're praying for them. But I'm like, what can I do? You know, we always just would have just a wonderful season and time there together. And so I was praying. I'm like, what possibly could I do from here that maybe would give them a sense of hope, uh, some encouragement, um, just a little light in their situation that they're living through each day, that they're walking through each day? And I was like, well, you know, a lot of them tune in on Facebook. Um, a lot of Facebook's banned there, so we're going to post this later on YouTube so a lot of them can tune in. We'll make sure they have it available to them. But I was talking, as I was thinking of this, I was like, you know, I, as I see Dave, I was like, I want to ask Dave if he would share. Because I think as a Christmas gift to them, just a message of hope, um, an encouragement, I think as they're watching now, I, I just, I really feel the Lord led this here, and I'm excited. And I just pray for the Myanmar people that they would hear this and know that we are still with them. We're still fighting with them. We're still praying with them. And we love them very, very much. And so, as an encouragement, that's why I've asked Dave to come share in this month and the Sunday, basically before Christmas. And so, I hope everyone out there will be encouraged, including all of us, but I really invited them to speak to the people of Myanmar. I'm sure we'll be encouraged also. But if you're out there, just know all our family in Myanmar, we love you. And uh, again, we're still here. We're praying with you. And please be encouraged and know that you're not alone there. And with that, I want to invite Dave and his family up. I believe he wants to introduce his family. Yeah, welcome. Well, I'm Dave. I know some of you all. And our friends in Burma or Myanmar, we still call it Burma because we're out here on the, on the corner. But I'm sorry. Except never surrender. My dad wrote a great book, great in that it's true. And the title of the book says, Where God Leads, Never Give Up. It doesn't say you're going to win. It doesn't say you're going to be perfect. It's where God leads, never give up. So for our family in Burma, if God is leading you, you don't have to give up because God has not given up at all. So I'm Dave um, in Karen State or other parts of Burma. I am Ta'uwa'apa or Meopiope, father of white monkey. And here's the white monkey. Hello everyone, my name is Saheli. Minglava, Jiman Mega Saheli Lokovade, Myopi Lokovade Shin. And so happy to speak to you and hope to share a song later. Hi, my name is Suzanne, and in Burma it's Dathupo or Wenwan, and uh, so happy to be here. Hello, I'm Peter, and my name in Karen is Bothupo, which means baby tiger. Hello, good evening, Minglava. I'm Karen. And I read something in my devotions this morning that I will share. Um, 
and it just said, struggling and rejoicing are not two chronological steps, one following the other, but they're two concurrent movements, one fluid with the other. We do them at the same time. As the cold can move you to the fire to warm, so struggling can move you deeper to God who warms you with joy. Struggling can deepen joy. So the struggles that we have here that especially you have in Burma are God's gift, God's grace to draw you close to him, especially now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And conflict was there in his time as it is in yours. You would know that more than anybody in the Western world, how your faith gets stronger in that struggle. So blessings to all of us as we do that. So I asked our family to come up because, mostly because the people that are there in Burma, because we've done this as a family. First, Karen and I were invited to Burma. Before we got married, she kept saying no. It's a true story. No, no, no. Until um, she said yes. And that was, I was already on the way to Burma. That was 1993. And we went together. And then all our kids grew up there. Pete was three weeks old. And we don't go to Burma the, the normal way. We were walking. And so Peter is nursing, three years old. We're trying to keep him quiet because Burma army all around. Bamasita, Tuide. And carefully going along. So they've all grown up there with you. Not exactly with you. I've only been a Rangoon once. But we're working, as you probably know, the Free Burma Rangers in all the ethnic areas in Burma. Chin, Arakan, Rohingya, Naga in the west, and the north, Kachin, and uh, Ta'ang, Pa'o, Lisu, Shan, uh, Kareni, Karen, Mon. Uh, probably left out a few, but anyways. And for the first time in our history, which is only about 28 years of working here, Burman people have begun to join us, which is a big miracle. When the coup happened and people fled, suddenly we had Burmans with us. And you guys are awesome. You're different. And since I'm already talking this line, I will not be politically correct. I'll just tell you what I really think. If I drive in a car full of Karen, there is no arguments. There's not many words. There may be some songs. If you're with the Burmans, you're going to have talking and arguments and, and, and very active, just like the Americans. And so I feel a real similarity. And also I noticed, I live in Karen State most of my life now. If you walk somewhere in Karen State and you can cross a river with one small piece of bamboo, that's the only bridge you will ever see. But if a Burman shows up, he's going to build a bridge. So thank you. Anyways, we're all different, have different ways of looking at things. But it's a great blessing now to be able to work with more and more Burmans in the ethnic areas. And there is hope in all that. And before Saheli sings a song. I want to read a scripture. This is from Psalm 77, verse 19. And I believe this psalm is about, describes, and um, this psalm, these, these words in this psalm, to me, describe my Christian life of trying to follow Jesus. And it describes the lives of any children of God. And this is what it says, Psalm 77, 19. It's talking about God. Your path led through the seas, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. We cannot see God's footprints, right? You can't see them. But then how do you know to follow him? How do you know that's the path? How do you know? And these are big waters. These are big storms that you're going through. You're going through it right now in Burma in a very visible, big way. We all go through it sometimes in invisible other ways. 
but it's impenetrable ocean, waves bigger than us. There's no lighted sign, but you are leading us, but we cannot see your footprints, God. So how do we know? I think we know because God made us spirit first. And when this body leaves, when we leave this body, it's going to be still be spirit. And that's the connection. And that's the authentication of the reality of God. And so I want to encourage you all that we can't see the footprints, you can't see the footprints, but God is leading all of us. And I would like to say Haley to sing a song in Burmese. So the meaning of this song is tomorrow, what will you do? You make plans, you want to be happy, you want to live your best life, but tomorrow is uncertain. But this is not certain, that God has given you life. And it is not just, it is not something that should be taken for granted, but a gift. So do not live loosely, live with purpose. Maybe today will be good, maybe tomorrow will be bad, but we know you've been given a gift. So what will you do with your gift? How will you make it meaningful? And how will you draw people closer to Jesus? The most important thing in this life is your relationship with Jesus and the spirit you grow together. Thank you. 
So, thanks, honey. And as Saheli sang that song, I um, actually started to cry. I thought about a time where we were blocked from going into Burma, and it looked like not only going to be blocked, we're going to get kicked out of the country. And I remember um, crying. And up to that point, I don't remember crying, even as a little kid. And you just, I didn't cry. Like, you don't cry, man. You're tough. That's it. And I still believe in that. There's a time to cry. You don't want your pilot in the plane when it's getting rough going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> there is a time to cry. And I've lost lots of friends in war, and I've cried for them. But that's a different kind of crying again. But when I saw Aaron choke up because he wants to be with you, wow, I feel that. That means that you're loved. Because sometimes we, we cry out of frustration because we can't do what we want to do. And that's a big part of it. But this is bigger than just frustration of not being able to do what you want to do. This is about being with people that you love. Wow. So that love, though, is from Jesus. So it's not going to be defeated. There's nothing on earth that can defeat it. And I'll pray you all get back in his time and that you can see these people. Not because you're perfect. None of us are perfect. There's no perfection outside of Jesus. We're just human. We're just people. But we love each other. And that's one thing the church is to do. We need to help remind each other as God leads when we're sinning and making mistakes. But don't kick anybody out. Forgive them again and again and again and again. I was thinking this morning as I was doing my devotions, how often when I'm in big trouble, I'm a very pure, believing, faithful, godly person. When I'm not in trouble anymore, my mind and actions can go every direction. That makes me very unreliable. But Jesus keeps forgiving me. And I love how in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples ask Jesus, how do we pray? So whenever disciples ask Jesus something, he gives an answer. I want to pay attention to that. There it is. And one line in the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. If you're in Burma, and I've lost now 40 of our rangers. We lost four this year. Shot and killed the Burma army. And you've lost maybe more. But if you're in Burma... You may want to say, how am I going to forgive the Burma army that kills my friends and the only thing I've done is tell a little lie or acted proud? Come on. That's not the same thing. But there is no scale. There is no measurement in Jesus' command. No matter what the person has done to you, you have to forgive them. That's the deal. That's the contract. If you want to be forgiven. And all of us who've done wrong things, when I do something wrong... I always want to be forgiven. There's never been once where I say, oh, please punish me forever. I want to be punished and unforgiven forever. Never have I thought that. I may feel I deserve that, but I don't want it. And so when someone's hurt us, that is the only way sometimes to obey Jesus is to have him help you. And his supernatural power enables us to forgive. And some of y'all have seen our movie, and some of you maybe read my book, so maybe you've heard the story a million times, but... I never really hated anybody until ISIS killed, some ISIS soldiers killed a kid next to me that I felt close to. And something snapped inside me and I hated like I'd never knew hate. Except I didn't even call it that. I called it justice. Justice. You kill these kids, we're going to kill you. And not just kill you and kill everyone like you. Every ISIS person like you. That's justice. And I remember when I asked God to show me the truth of what's justice... And I, I closed my eyes and I opened the Bible like this. 
I went to seminary, but I'm not a good student. So this is what I still do most of the time. I prayed, and I did it three times. And every time, it's actually upside down, but it was a Kendall. And every time I did that, I got the same message, which says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance belongs to God. We can't handle it. Justice belongs to us. How many times in the Bible have humans been told, you've got to do just things. You've got to be just. He keeps telling us to do that. That's our job. We have that ability to be just. We do not have the ability to take revenge. There must be vengeance because God said it's his. He's going to take care of it. That's his job. We can't handle it. We are too sinful and too weak and too unloving to handle vengeance. Can't handle it. It'll destroy us. And when I saw that, I said, Jesus, forgive me of wanting to take revenge. I give it up. And it was like a 2,000-pound weight left my shoulder. But only Jesus could have done that. No philosophy in the world could have told me to do that. No good thinking could have told me to do it. It was his supernatural healing. So I want to share with all of you all, because we all have, as you get older in life, sooner or later, problems going to do you really wrong. <laughs> Someone's going to treat you really bad, whether they know it or not. You're going to be really cheated. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be disappointed with somebody. And you might hate them. You may not call it that as a good Christian, but it's probably that thing. Like, if they died, I would not cry. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good Christian. I hope they don't die. But can they just go somewhere else? I never see them again. When you're cases like that, I don't believe you can heal yourself. At least I can't. But Jesus can. And so when he gives you command, he never gives you command just to do something and watches you. He walks with you. So that's true for all of us. And for our friends in Burma, 72 years of civil war right now. That's what we've experienced. I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm 61. So I'm a few years behind those 72 and most of you haven't experienced either. But most of your life, you've experienced your whole life, however old you are. It's just been dictator, war, dictator, war. And then this year, in the beginning of February, there was a coup, and it, things broke open. And it got worse. In fact, I think it's worse than since World War II. I think this is the worst year since World War II. And so you have a lot of reasons, my friends in Burma, to hate the people who are doing this. It is, it is completely logical to hate them. But that won't change your situation. You know, our small hate will never defeat the big hate of a military or dictatorship. Impossible. It's a foolish endeavor. And on the way, you'll be destroyed. So you can't beat the Burma army with your small hate against their big hate. It won't happen. And you'll be destroyed probably first by Satan. And Satan would like everybody to kill everybody. Satan doesn't want the dictators to win. He wants everybody to lose the more we can hate each other. The only way through is with Jesus. So I, I know I'm saying this from here, but I don't live in your situation there in Burma. I believe your situation, if you're in Rangoon or Mandalay or someplace, is worse than ours when we're in the jungle. I'm getting ready to go next week, so please pray that we get there. When we're in the jungle, we can get shot at. We have to walk a lot. We may run away from the Burma army. We, some of our guys get killed. But you're free every minute that you're not dead. But in a city, it's not the same. I know that. It's not the same. you got the walls all around you. Who can you trust? They can catch you any moment. That's a really brutal place to be. I think much more oppressive than running around the jungle having someone shoot at you when you have options. And everybody else loves you. So you're at the heart of it. But I think you're also where things will finally change. Been fighting in the border for 72 years, which has kept things at a standstill. Dictators haven't completely ruled it. But it hasn't changed Burma. Burma's going to change with y'all. Burma's going to make the final change with the people in the cities. 
You're in the hardest place, but you're in the most powerful place. And God has not left you there alone. You can't see his footprints, but he's with you, leading you. So don't give up. I believe this is the worst situation since World War II. However, it's also the most hopeful that I've seen. It's not the 1988 revolution where just students stood up for a bit. Every class and age and type of person of every religion in Burma has representatives standing up saying, we don't want this government this way. So I, have, I believe that this is the beginning of change in Burma. I really believe it. I don't know when it's going to happen. This year, 10 years, 20 years, I have no idea. And kind of like Saheli's song about we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. We just know what we're going to do today. We're going to, what choices are you going to take today? So I keep looking at the camera, Burma people, because I, my heart goes out to you. I pray in Jesus' name that we can meet. And I pray you can forgive your enemies and not give up. And, you know, forgiving your enemies doesn't mean giving into them. It doesn't mean doing what they do. It doesn't mean living as a slave when you should be free. You, you can resist all that. It means have, having Jesus give you the ability to forgive them and love them. I think the best thing in the world would be if the dictators dropped on their knees and said, Jesus, just save me. Forgive me. Or you can kill me if you want to. That would be the most wonderful thing. I thought of different presidents that I have not liked. And my first um, impulse is, well, oh, I just can't wait till they get out. I wish they just get out. But then I think, wouldn't it be better if, they, if one day you saw on the news, they were on their knees and they, had, they were down here with a microphone saying, I've really been wrong. It's been all about me. Jesus, forgive me. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, that'd be the coolest thing to see. So that's what I want for Burma, not to destroy the military but that they would come to know Jesus. And you believers that God has called to stay there, he's going to work through you. It will not be in vain. And you are the key, I believe, of changing Burma. About 15 years ago, I was in a prayer meeting in Chiang Mai. I just came out of Burma. And this lady was uh, an Australian SIL missionary. And she said, I have a vision, right, during the prayer meeting. And she said, I see Burma, and it has this black, evil cloud over it. And as I looked at this black evil cloud, it wasn't a cloud. It was a huge demon. Covered the whole country. Huge power. And it looked scary and hideous and had blood coming out of its mouth. And it looked down and it wanted the Burmans to kill the Karen, the Shan to kill the Wa, everybody to kill everybody. It didn't care who won. It wants everybody to hate everybody. And she said it was hideous to look at, very powerful, and it scared her. And then she looked at the people of Burma in her vision. And they were looking up at this monster but they were not afraid. She said, how could they not be afraid? They don't see what I see. It has another face for them. And then she said, I saw little lights all over Burma in the midst of the darkness. And she said, God, what are those lights? And she said, God told me, that's my church all over Burma. And then there was a horse, a white horse and a rider on the Thai Burma border. She said, God, what's that? And God told her, that's the Holy Spirit who's going in and out. And so you all in Burma are not alone. God is with you. Those lights, even the church I'm speaking to, you're not the only one. They're all over. And the Holy Spirit is moving in and out and through. And that black demon, will you know who it is. You know it's hideous. You can see. So one of your missions is to keep loving your enemies, keep loving your friends and forgiving them. Sometimes that's harder. And keep reaching out and sharing the gospel of Jesus. Right now we're at Christmas. And this is the time where God loved us so much he sent his son. 
while we were already sinners, knowing we're going to kill him. Wow. That's the kind of love. We should not be afraid or ashamed of that good news. So you in Burma and us here, wherever we are, share about Jesus as he tells you. As he tells you. You know, we were we worked mostly in Burma for the last 28 years. We've also been in Iraq and Syria the last seven, eight years. And then we were invited to go help the Afghans. And we went to Tajikistan and trying to help the Afghans. And on the way there, that was this summer, a guy told me, Dave, whatever you do, don't talk about Jesus. Because the Afghans are hardcore Muslims, and they will just kick you out. You have no chance to help them. You have no credibility. And I said, if I can't talk about Jesus, what else can I do? Food and medicine, you know, free Burma Rangers, just so you know, those Burma, Burma people, we don't work for the CIA. I would take all the money that they want to give me, but they haven't given us one dime. We don't work for the U.S. government. We're not some special intergalactic supergroup. We are just people trying to follow Jesus and then you don't even have to be a Christian. We have over 100 teams right now in Burma. And most are Christian, but many are not. Some are Buddhists, some are atheists, agnostic, animists, spirit worshipers. We have Muslims over in the Middle East. We have Yazidis. We have all kinds. Anybody can join. We do this for love. And our main physical job on the ground is humanitarian service. That's food, medicine, shelter, and then getting the news out. So that's our main job. But if we can't talk about Jesus... All that kind of help is not only small, it's very temporary and doesn't change your heart. So that's the same for you. Whatever you do in Burma to help bring change to Burma, Jesus needs to be in the front. And we'll pray for you. Please pray for us. The same thing. So I answered my friend, if I can't, if I go to Afghanistan or try to help the Afghans and can't talk about Jesus, I might as well not go. I don't care how many millions of dollars of stuff I got. So we went and, but the time we got to Tajikistan, which is north of Afghanistan, the last free spot in Afghanistan called the Panjshir Valley, those of you that follow, that fell. We had helicopters lined up to fly in and do a humanitarian corridor, which is what FBR does. And we could go in by helicopter. We also had parachute rigs for those of us that could jump. We have about a 12-person core of jumpers. We could jump in. We could, anyways, we're going to get in. And if it takes, if we have to go by horse or foot, we can do that too. No big deal. But there was no place left. No place left of freedom in Afghanistan. Now, that's different than Burma. Now, you're not very free in Rangoon and other places, but there's huge parts of Karen State, Kachin State, Shan State, even Shen State where there's freedom. They didn't have one place in Afghanistan. I've never been to a place that lost everything. And so we ended up meeting the vice president, who's now the president, because the president fled the country. The vice president went to the Panjshir Valley to hold it, invited us to come and help. By the time we got there, he had to flee. There was no more Panjshir. There's no more resistance except for ISIS, which is kind of not a good resistance. There's ISIS and the, and the Taliban fighting each other. So we're in Tajikistan, and we meet this vice president, Amrullah Saleh. And he's a Muslim, and they're now the leader of the country, but they're in exile. And he, he said to ask Karen, are you a missionary? And she said, um, yeah, um, I'm a follower of Jesus. No, 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 are you a missionary? And that was another word we were told not to use, missionary. And she said, yes, I am. And he turned to me, and he said, are you a missionary? I said, well, the Freedom Rangers is not a religious organization. Anybody can join. No, 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 no. Are you a missionary? I said, yes, I'm a missionary and a follower of Jesus. And he said, good, because you're the only people I trust. I've been working with the Americans and others for 20 years. But I know missionaries have pure hearts. He didn't say pure minds. He didn't say pure bodies or pure souls. I don't know. I got it wrong. He had pure souls. He didn't say pure hearts, mind, or bodies. He said we had pure souls. Because we know the other part's definitely not pure. 
we have pure souls. What did he mean by that? He meant that we have all, all of you in this room have offered up your souls to God saying, I want to belong to you. Use me. In spite of my weaknesses, limitations, and sin, use me, forgive me, help me start again. That's what he meant. And then he went on to tell us a story. And he said, I was in the Panshir Valley. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm the leader of the country. And all my money's now gone. My family is out of the country. Thank God, otherwise they'd be dead. But I have no more army. I have no more power. I have no more relevance. You know, all of us want to be relevant. I have no relevance. America's betrayed me. I mean nothing. My own people betrayed me. I am no one. And the Taliban, because he used to be head of intelligence, are going to come and kill me first. Torture me a long time, make an example of me, and kill me. I am done. God, I give you my life. I give you all my money. And God told him, you haven't given me everything. What do you mean? You still have your pistol. You still have two phones. And you have a bag of, of cash. Well, yeah, I'm a responsible adult. The phones are to communicate, the cash is the escape, and the gun, who knows, I might need it. This is war. And God said to him, the God didn't say anything to him, because I told that story wrong. He said, I began to see writing in the air, writing in my language. God was talking to me by, in a script that was about that big and just moved, and it shimmered. And God said, you still depend on your own strength to get out of a problem. I want you to give everything up. Everything, everything. So he called the, the farmer that he was staying with in and said, here, take my pistol, take my phones, take all my money. The guy goes, you crazy? No, 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 take it. God told me. And he said he gave it away and instantly felt relaxed and went to sleep. He said, I slept well for the first time in 15 years because I'm the head, I was the head of intelligence before I was the vice president. I killed lots of people. Everybody hates me. I have no regrets the people I killed. They're Taliban doing terrible things, but still everybody hates me. And so I couldn't even sleep. Multiple assassination attempts. But now, when I gave everything up to God, I fell asleep. I woke up like 12 hours later to the sound of tanks coming up to Panjshir Valley. There are Taliban tanks. And I opened the window wide, and my host said, what, are you crazy? He said, no, I'm not afraid anymore. And I looked at the Taliban. They were eight yards away. That's right there in a row of tanks, seven tanks. And they looked at me, and I smiled and waved, and they went right by me. They didn't understand who I was. And then I got ability to escape. That's the story I wanted to tell you, he said. Because you as missionaries would understand that story. So I want to tell it to you people in Burma and to you all that that's another evidence God doesn't work in our boxes. For a Muslim man, he wrote in script, depend on me, give up everything. The same thing he says to us. Give up everything and I'll take care of you. So my friends in Burma... You are closer to losing everything than any of us in this room, I believe. But God is close to you. And you can't lose anything important. Nothing truly precious is eternally lost. You can't lose things that are truly precious eternally. You're going to get them all back. And right now, you all have this opportunity to stay close to Jesus, tell people about Jesus. And in doing that, God's power will work through you. And you are part, it's not will be, you are already part of change in Burma. And please pray for us that we do our part. We will pray for you. And I pray the moons get back to you. And I want to tag along at some point. And God bless you all. So thank you all for letting us share. And thank you for this privilege of talking to the church in Burma. And I'd like to pray. Dear God, first of all, thank you for your son. And thank you for Christmas. It reminds us of that. Please forgive us all our sins. And Lord, By your power, help us forgive all those that have wronged us.
Help us just let it go. And Lord, I ask for a blessing and revival in Thailand as well as Burma. I thank you for the Thai government and the Thai people that allow us to help, which is amazing. Keep blessing them, please. And I ask you bless the Burma government to know you, to see you. And I ask for not just democracy in Burma. We need more than democracy. We need love, justice, and reconciliation. And I ask that. And I ask the church in Burma would lead the way in that. And I ask you protect these people, Lord. My request is none of them would be arrested. Or if they're arrested, they'd be able to share witness and they'd be released. I ask none of them would be tortured, none of them would be killed, and that the moons and all of us could see them. And Lord, please bless us in our different work here. Ask for healing for those of us that need it, and lead us on in Jesus' name. Amen. If you got your Bibles, I want to look at a psalm, Psalm 23. So... I don't know how long ago exactly it was now, maybe uh, nine months ago or so. As we were in Yangon at the church, uh, the situation had gotten much worse. And we had experienced a lot of things from having um, a children's outreach and bullets flying all around the church. Uh, we went up on the roof, you could hear them all zinging all around, pinging off everything, um, to going down and seeing in the streets where people had been shot. And as we experienced all these things from standing in our window and feeling the percussion from bombs, and then on Easter Sunday, a bullet actually hit the church, and uh, a girl almost got hit. And all these things are taking place, and I'll be honest, I think most men would probably agree. I wasn't really worried about myself, but I was more more worried about my family and those around me and the effects that would be on them. I mean, I didn't, like, is this, like, going to... You know, we're missionaries, but this is not what most people walk through. And uh, I was um, just really concerned about everything that was going on. And uh, I called Kevin up, and Dave was there. And we talked for, I don't know, an hour. And uh, Dave shared with me Psalm 23. And so as the people in Myanmar are listening now, it was an encouragement to me. As I know in Myanmar, they actually have this memorized. They're much better at memorizing scripture than anyone here. I can promise you that. Um, they're, I don't know how the education, they memorize everything. But Psalm 23 especially. So I'd like to read that and then just discuss it for a few minutes. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He leads me to rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You know, as I read this, and it's just a reminder as we go through different situations in life, and as the people there in Myanmar experienced so many things that most of us could never even imagine, and I hope none of us would even have to imagine or experience, we can go to verses like this and remember who God is. That he is the shepherd, and he's still there caring for his flock, caring for the church. He's watching after them. And then as you see this, he also tells his children that they will have rest. 
they, that he will continue to guide them. And then, even as they face the most difficult situations, he's there. They don't have to be afraid because God is with them. And he continues, I like this, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we've all read this psalm. I I think through Sunday school, many of us have memorized it, maybe in a different version. Um, But we memorized it. But I think the reality of what it means to each of us as we walk through difficult situations really takes shape in different areas in our life. Maybe some of you are walking through other situations. You know, I've seen and talked to many people that are really struggling in this time of even COVID or loss of family members or uh, different relationship problems within their family or their children or whatever is going on in each of their lives. And we can come back to verses like this and really just sit and meditate this and remember who God is. And he's always there for us. And, you know, even in the darkest of times, he's there. And, you know, I... So often I'm looking for an answer or a solution. You know, how can we fix this situation? And most times I don't think we really get answers like that. But what we do get is we're not alone. So I hope that each one of us can remember that, that we are not alone, that we have a great shepherd that's there to take care of us. And, you know, nothing can be taken from us of things eternal. That relationship with Jesus, nobody can take that. The, The joy that we can have through our relationship with Jesus, nobody can take that. That hope that we have in Jesus, nobody can take that. Our faith in Jesus is so much bigger than anything that we will ever face in this world. And we love you there in Myanmar. I especially just want you guys to know that we're standing with you. We're here with you. And we're praying for you. And, you know, reach out to any of us and uh, let us know how we can be praying for you. And if there's any other ways maybe we can help you, let us know. We might be able to do something. But most of all... It's Jesus. It's always, always, always about Jesus and how much he loves you. And, you know, we live in a very dark world. There's a lot of evil things that take place. And I don't understand these things. I don't know. I know we live in a fallen world. I've heard that. We know this. But sometimes it's hard. It's very difficult. Anyways, this psalm really meant a lot to me at the time as I was worried about the people around me and what to do. And it came back to just surrender it to Jesus and just take that next step that he's laid before me and walk with him and just seek him and know that he's there. He'll take care of me and take care of those around me. So thank you, Dave, for sharing. I thank you for being there. Uh, it was a difficult situation in my life when I was walking through that. I didn't know how that was going to turn out. And uh, praise the Lord, it turned out okay. Let's pray and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. As we continue to worship you, Lord, I just pray for Myanmar and a blessing upon them, Lord. Just continue to provide for them. Provide for them in ways, Lord, that it would just be a testimony of how good you are. And those around them would see that it's God, it's Jesus who is doing these things among them, Lord. Lord, I pray for repentance of the country, Lord, and those leaders that are in the positions, Lord, that they would just fall to their knees, Lord, and just come before you, Lord, and just surrender to you, Lord. There'd be a great revival even, Lord. And this country would be transformed, Lord, in a God-fearing nation. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity just to worship you. I thank you for Dave sharing. And Lord, I just especially want to lift up to our brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, just please, Lord, let them know your love. Let them know your presence in whichever way that would be, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.